greet you in Jesus' name this morning. The title of the message this morning is Making a Difference. Turn with me in your Bibles to John 7. Just noticing verse 8 uh, through 10, John 7, 8, Jesus says to his disciples, Go you up unto this feast, I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he had said these, these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. And then verse 37 and that last day of the feast. Now, if I understand correctly, in the last day of the feast, one of the things that happened in the last day of the feast was they would go to the pool of Siloam, I believe it was, and they would get a pitcher of water, and they would bring it back to the temple, and they would pour it out as an offering to God. That was part of that last great day activity, activities. In verse 37 it says, And that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake, he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. There's several words here that impressed me. I'm using my utmost for as highest as personal devotions recently. And this one thought was given, I'm not sure, Friday, Thursday, something. It says, it does not say, into his belly shall flow rivers of living water. It does not say that. Now Jesus did say, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. But this passage of scripture says, He that believeth on me, Are you a believer this morning? Alright. As the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now it doesn't say a trickle, it doesn't say a creek doesn't say a stream. It doesn't say a river. What does it say? All together. Come on. Rivers. All together. Rivers. Plural, right? Rivers of living water. 
Now, where's that water come from? It comes from God, right? If you thirst, come to me and drink. If you are a believer, that water will not stagnate within you. If you believe. Now, if you don't believe, if you make some kind of a lip profession, I guess then it's okay that, well, it's not okay, but it's only logical that it would stagnate, all right? And it's only logical that you, would, you and I would live our life as a Christian just for what we can get out of it, what God pours into us, all right? But that ain't what this says here. It would imply... If that would be the case, we would not actually be a believer in the truest sense of the word. Because Jesus said, if you are a believer, a true believer, the water is not going to stop. And it's not going to be a little trickle. Out of your innermost being, my innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. And I said in my study... And I'm thinking about that. Now let me ask you a question. I'd ask my question, myself. If rivers of living water are flowing through me, will it make a difference in the lives of people around me? Can the rivers flow and nothing happen? No. No. Can I expect that I as a Christian are going to make a difference in the lives of people around me if I do not allow that river to flow? No. Just going to be one more statistic of how many Christians there are in America. Might as well be honest and face it. So then I had to ask myself, what percentage of my Christian life is centered around what I get from God? And then, consequently, how, what percentage of my life is centered around what other people get from God through me? Those two questions must be answered. They must be answered. And there's no point in trying to for ourselves in God by coming up with a fictitious answer. We've got to be realistic. got to be realistic about this rivers of water thing. Communion's coming up. And I was just reflecting on this. Communion's coming up 
And we have what we call the emblems, which is broken grain, right? Ground grain, which make bread. Crushed grapes, which make grape juice. Right? So what are we commemorating? We talk about that it takes crushed grains to make bread. We're going to be unified because we are blended together in Christ. As we lose our identity, crushing of the grapes becomes one grape juice. And because Jesus allowed himself to be that, crushed and squeezed, then we, in turn, partake of that, partake as benefactors of that experience that Jesus went through, right? So that is that stage. We have Christ, His work, us being the benefit. Alright? God's love flowing through Him, His mercy, His grace, and all that. In Christ dying, we become the benefactors of that river of life. Now, as God crushes and squeezes you, why does he do it? Just to make you a better person? No, we believe that. We teach that. But is that all? I ask myself the question, who will benefit from the squeezing and the crushing in my life? If I am actually crushed, if I am actually squeezed, if I am actually what God wants me to be will it make a difference in Gary's life. Will it make a difference in Danella's life? Will it? I didn't say should it. 
I said, will it? And we know what a lot of things should happen, but will it? That is the question. So Jesus said, you get this picture, and I'm not sure who's doing the pouring out, and he's saying to them, see that? You willing to be poured out? As a sacrifice? An offering to God? You willing to be poured out? Brothers and sisters, that's a question this morning that Jesus asked those people when he's asking us. Are you willing to be poured out? And that is a sobering question. Did I love last week? With the basic frame of reference, what can I get? Or did I go through last week, and I'm talking myself as much as anybody else here, who can I pour my life into? Who can I pour my life into? Now we can't deny that God has poured innumerable blessings into our life. Just spiritual, physical. My wife and I went on a little day trip Friday in this little huge craft store. Two stories. Saw a little hand towel there for the kitchen. Thank you, Lord, for giving me much more than I deserve. Much more than I deserve. Now, believe me, I can walk through a craft store and 95%, I mean, it's set up, it's beautiful, all the things you can buy and hang on you, whatever. And I'm not much of a shopper, all right? I just simply not. I mean, they got the candles, they go on it for six hours and, or eight hours and off for 16. They got everything that you could imagine. But I saw that little hand toss, I said, this is it. I'm a buyer. And... Mary Sue and I were walking by, and I said, well, this is my purchase for today, and I guess you call that a snap judgment, but yeah. I think I can see something that's worthwhile when I look at it. <clears throat> and the thing about being poured out, it's interesting to me, is that most of the time, locality is not the issue. Even if you're at home. 
and you're home all day long. There's plenty of things you can do to pour yourself out. Now, if you have a family, moms struggle with this. I mean, it's like, I'm stuck at home all the time. All I do is go shopping and take care of the children or whatever. So what? What more important job is there? What, what more... Can you think of anything more valuable to pour your life into? I can't. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes money does go a little bit one way or the other. But most of the time, it doesn't have to be. You see, Jesus' life wasn't a life of self Actualization. I think that's the right word. Reward. Personal reward. Making sure he come out okay. Christ's life was a life of self-expenditure. That's, that's how he lived. Give and give and give and give and give and give. And God through him sent rivers of living water. So am I a giver? Am I a taker? What difference, really, have I made in the life of another person this past week? How much of a difference? And you know what? It's interesting that... Now, I want to be careful here because I don't, I, I don't promote breaking rules, all right? When the rule's made, I, I think you ought to follow it. Alright. I gave a silly illustration last time I preached about my attitude toward roles and how I express them to the teacher and what happened. Alright? Uh, so I, I don't I don't I don't promote breaking rules. But you know what? People that impact the world for Jesus Christ a lot of time break the rules. Ever think about that? Now back in the old uh, days of Abraham and all them, it, it seemed to me like they had a lot more respect for old pe older people than America does today. I think we wouldn't argue with that. All right, so the older people, they came into Rome, young people gave them this, you get up and give it to the older people. The hoary head, people that are got silver hair, their, their opinion weighed a lot harder, more than people with normal color hair. And, and uh, but, but see, Abraham broke the rule. He said, Lot, you choose, I'll take what's mine. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, that ain't the way it works. That ain't the way we do things around here. But that 
made the difference. Esther, you don't go into the king. You don't go into the king. I mean, that's not even that's not even on the radar screen. That's not even. I, I mean, that's suicide. You know what? She broke the rule. And she said, as she poured herself out for her people, she said, I will go in, and if I perish, I perish. The most famous word that came out of Esther's mouth. If I perish, I perish. You and I are recipient of the river that came out of Esther's life when she said those words. You don't go to battle with 300 men. Do you? That's crazy. But Gideon said, if God says it, that's exactly what I'll do. He broke the rules. Jehoshaphat broke the rules when he sent his singers ahead of the army uh, of the warriors when he went out to fight against Ammon and Moab. He broke the rules. Who ever heard the like. Blessed be the God whose mercy endures forever and ever. Something to that effect. Those singers sang as they went in front of the armed men. Amazing. Do you ever hear the saying? If I don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Did you ever hear that? Right. So when you make campfire, what do you look for? You look for dry wood, right? Elijah looked for dry wood on Mount Carmel. He broke the rules. He said, give me more barrels, give me more barrels, give me more barrels, and give me more barrels. And because he broke the rules, rivers of living water flowed out to that crowd and to us today. Daniel could have said, well, I guess if you say you can't pray, can't pray. Maybe I'll just pray quiet with my eyes open. No. He broke the rules. Well, if they said you're not supposed to bow to the idol, I guess then I can't bow to the idol. That's what the three Hebrew children could have said. No. They broke the rules. 
impacted the entire nation. When they broke the rules. Joseph broke the rules when he married Mary. The friends of the crippled man broke the rules when he went up on the roof and started tearing the roof off so they could put him down in front of Jesus. Wait a minute. All the dust and trash and stuff falling down here. What's going on anyhow? Jesus broke the rules when he said people that rule over the Gentiles are supposed to be great. But he said when it comes to you it shall not be so. Whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus is a rule breaker. I mean, I, the cultural things of his day... He created havoc. It's like the master of the house don't wash the servants' feet. Jesus broke the rules. You don't give your last two cents away. But the widow broke the rules. She gave her last two mites. The woman with the alabaster box that broke it on Jesus' feet. People said, wait a minute. we we got to keep things in proportion here. I mean, that's a whole year's wages, and you waste it? I mean, that just violates all good Mennonite frugality. We would say. I mean, after all, there's got to be a limit to how much you waste. But Jesus said, everywhere the gospel is preached, this is going to be given for your credit. Something to that effect. So what motivates these people? What motivates? What motivated all these people? What motivated Jesus to bless those who cursed him? Who? Crucified. These people allowed God... To let his rivers go right on through. That's the difference. In fact, Jesus said, if you only love those that love you, he said, you will never make a difference in the world. I mean, he didn't say it in that 
many words, but that's exactly what he meant. It's not going to raise anybody's eyebrows. It's not going to change anything. Well, everybody does that. It's amazing that we use that as an excuse. Well, everybody's doing it. Are we supposed to live there? Jesus says our lives are supposed to be like a light on a hill in the pitch dark. That's what he said. Like a light on a hill, a city on a hill in the pitch dark. It simply cannot be hid. Cannot be hid. And I sat there in my study and I'm thinking, well, who all has impacted my life? And I probably had to put probably parents down first. First, my parents. We stopped at A&W on the way back from our little day trip down to Prairie Duchesne. And they had people in there with green hair and, and it's like um, gothic and old guy with green hair and looked like B to Z hardware. You know, everything got these hooks and chains and clasp. I don't know what all. looked like the wall and hardware there. And we're in a car and I'm saying to my wife, like, why do people do this? What would motivate you to do this? And, well, I mean, their grandparents may not have been Christian, but they had some moral fiber. And as our culture deteriorates, it just made me appreciate it. I said, you know, Parents are supposed to teach their children not to lie, cheat, and whatever. And if they do, they get the backside warmed up just a little bit. Enough to make sense of it. Or other people getting their mouth washed out with soap or whatever. So our parents set a basic moral fiber into our life. Tremendous. That is the water flowing into our lives. Sunday school teachers. Summer Bible school teachers. People are willing to let the water flow through. School teachers. I think of school teachers. I think of one of them, I said this before, wrote on the blackboard in response to one of the students who said, ignorance is bliss. He, he wrote in big letters all the way across, ignorance is not bliss. Okay, so I, 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 somebody says something about ignorance is bliss, I think of Eli Martin. And he said, ignorance is not bliss. And he put that on, and we had to look at that for a while. Uh, a couple days, if I remember. Ministers. 
certain things. Ministers. One who said, there's only two classes of people in the world that can possibly be called sane. Those that are, who are saved and those that are in the process of being saved. Sin is a form of insanity. I don't forget that. Certain things. I, class, I immediately, immediately classify with a person who is willing to let God's water flow through them. Evangelists. Fellow church members. Why do I try to be here Wednesday night? It's because of a fellow church member. We got married. Our church only had prayer meeting one time a month. And so I moved to church where they had prayer meeting four times a month. And so I hid behind this little excuse that I was only used to go into prayer meeting one time a month. And so... We neglected prayer meeting, and brother come to me, and he says, so why don't you come to prayer meeting? I said, well, I'm not used to that. Nice, fancy little feeble attempt. And he says, well, I think you should uh, reconsider that. I, I think you should be here Wednesday night, and so we started going Wednesday night. And that's for what it's worth. But I can, Andy Byler, Andy Byler. That's who it was. Fellow church members. Church, we came from Ohio. A ball game was a ball game, and I mean, you played it down to the bare teeth. I mean, it was serious, and it was way too serious to the point where people threatened to go home. If that's the way you're going to play, I'm going to go home. Blah, 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 blah. At least one person. But I come to Prairie, and we have a church ball game, and I mean, they're, they're somehow or the other, their mentality is different. They make sure that the first graders get on first base, all right? And I mean, it looked like a circus to me. It's like unbelievable. So this little guy, he's up there, first grader, and they, you know, you get three swings in your out. But it's first grade, he's swinging, and he's swinging, and he's swinging, and it's balling, you know, Six times, seven times, eight times, you know, he's pitching it in and saying it. It's like, wait a minute. Finally hits the ball. And it, it just hard to get to the pitcher. And the pitcher, which was Bubba Ellis, decided that Evan had to get on first base. I don't know if he the sun or not. But Ellis dives for the ball. He misses the ball. Falls on his shoulders, his feet go up in the air, over top. On his back, he's scrambling around, trying to get the ball, and finally gets the ball, and gets himself set up, and Evan, he just chugging for all he's worth the first base. And just as Evan crosses first base, Ellis finally gets the ball thrown, and Evan's on first base. That's hilarious. All right? It was so funny. 
I thought we had Barnum and Bailey going for a while. There's something about that ball game that made room for that first grader. The first graders weren't always out. And when I think of a bishop, I think of our bishop in Ohio who, when our first child was born, I was going to the hospital and this is June and whatever, and you know, one day after next whatever, and it's and the grass keeps growing higher and higher. And I may have said this before, but I came home from the hospital, and the bishop was mowing a lawn. Now you think that don't make a difference? That makes a huge difference. Little children amaze me. I had two Cat5 cables to pull from the boiler room to the office. Well, I have these ropes above the ceiling that I tie this onto and pull it here, and then I tie it on another rope and pull it there, and then I tie here, and then it goes over there, and then eventually goes to the office. All right, so. I set this up over the last 20 years. I got these pool ropes, and they all lay above the, the ceiling, and they're twice as long as they should be, so that I can tie on to the middle here and pull here, and the tail's still hanging down this hole. We get all these things going, but there was like a 30-foot stretch that I had never stretched, pulled anything through. So I decided, you know, well, I can't get up there. So I called. Mary Jo, I said, you got a little girl that can crawl around upstairs, up in the top of the Bible school. And so yeah, we'll send, get Brielle. I said, I'll be right down for her. So I got Brielle and put her up there and put a big floodlight so she could see and gave her the Cat 5 cable. And I said, you want to go right down to there and in the middle of this little triangle, the same triangle all the way down, that's the where I want it to go. And I'll meet you down there to the other hole in the ceiling. I went down there quick and got up there, and she's coming down and did everything. And then I stuck it under a beam and then sent her up in the office, and she pulled her over to the office. And so I gave her a dollar bill and a pack of peanuts, which is wonderful. So Wednesday night, I says to her, I says, uh, said, you eat your peanuts yet? And she said, yeah, we ate them. She said, I shared with all my brothers and sisters. Think that through. It's the same thing as the rule that everybody pays their own gas at the gas station. I made it, I spend it, I use it how I want. Everybody pays for their own groceries at the grocery store. That's the rule. And I'd ask myself, did I ever break it?
with somebody in a pile of junk, obviously, poverty-stricken, and a just heap of trash pulls in beside me at the gas station, do I follow the rule that everybody pays their own gas? I'll be honest with you, I've never broke that rule. And I'll be, I'm ashamed to say that I've been in the grocery store already. Now, I'm not talking about Walmart and junk. I've been in the grocery store already where people were putting groceries off the side because they didn't have enough grocery money. And I stood there and refused to break the rule. In fact, thinking, you know what? If I didn't have that much money, I think I'd just like figure ahead without so I wouldn't make a fool out of myself at the gross at the counter. So I'm thinking we talk a lot about a lot of get Bible character. I'm I'm thinking so a modern day example that we could all relate to, um, that poured their life out for us. And my mind went to Arnie. Did Arnie make a difference in your life? Absolutely. I don't think anybody here would deny it. But I asked myself the question, why? There's got to be a reason. What's the reason? The reason is that he poured himself out for us. He allowed the water of life to flow through him to us. When Jesus stood by Lazarus' grave and he said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, what's the next word? Shall never die. And then he asked a question, do you really believe this? So, what all is entailed in that little phrase, shall never die? Now, I'm not being facetious this morning. I'm not being ridiculous. I'm not being whatever. But I asked the question, is Arnie dead? Think before you answer. Physically, yes. In all other aspects, no. We were in Sunday school in Traverse City, and a Sunday school teacher said, it was Luke Gingrich, he said, 
And I call this a BGO, blinding glimpse of the obvious. I look for those when people talk. The greatest impact of our lives on those around us will be after we have passed on. Now you think of that. Never, I don't think, that concept ever darkened my small mind. Think about it. Now, we just admitted, I think we all agree, the brothers aren't impacted my life personally. I think all here would agree with that. All right? So, if that's the case, and every single one of us allow that river to go through us into someone else, get the multiplication process here. Now, I don't know who my great, 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 great grandpa was, but if I'm realistic, I will have to admit today that the river that flowed through him to my fourth great grandpa, down to the third great grandpa, to the second great grandpa, to the first great grandpa, to my grandpa, and to my dad, and to me, there's still something flowing there. And that doesn't just apply to relatives. It applies to everyone. The point I'm simply making is our influence outlives our name or even our personal memory. Somewhere along the line in the last 450 years, there was a pile of people that held on to the Word of God and said, this is what it means, this is how I'm going to live it, and this is the way it's going to be, and they let that water flow through them to the coming generations, and it didn't have to be your great-grandpa or your aunt or uncle or anybody else. It's just simply, they were committed to allowing that to flow, and their lives made a difference, and is still making a difference today to this man stands behind the pulpit. And to you sitting in the pew. That is a tremendous concept. Shall never die. You can't put dirt on top of it. You can't put it. underground. Brother Todd Miller's had another BGO at the campground this summer in Michigan, and he said, Humility is living in the constant awareness of the needs of other people. Wow. When I stood in line and the lady was putting groceries off the side, I have to admit I was a proud person. According to that definition, I was a proud person. I was looking down my nose on her. I was. But that was Arnie. Arnie 
live the conscious awareness of the needs of other people. And you and I are recipients this morning. And I just want to give credit to that simple fact. You see, while he walked among us, that was his opportunity to pour himself out. That was his opportunity. Today is our day. Today is our day. Today is my day to make a difference in the life of someone else. And the question I have to ask myself, will I seize that opportunity? Will we allow God to pour rivers of living water through our lives here at Prairie till God calls each one of us home? 